Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the request of Esther as we pick up in Esther chapter 5, verse 3. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And the king said, Cause Haman to make haste. He may do as Esther hath said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther at the banquet of wine, What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom it will be performed. Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition and to perform my request, Let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them tomorrow, as the king hath said. Then Haman went forth that day joyful with a glad heart. He really thought, man, I'm in, you know. The queen is inviting only me to come with the king to this banquet. He was just really exalted until he got to the gate and everyone was bowing and he saw that Mordecai standing. Just wiped him out. Oh, he got angry. He saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and he stood up, and he did not move for him. And he was full of indignation. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called his friends, and Zeresh, his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above all the princes and servants. And Haman said, Moreover, yes, Esther the queen didn't let any man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself, and tomorrow I'm invited unto her also with the king. And yet all of this avails me nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then said Zeresh, his wife, and all of his friends to him, Hey, why don't you build some gallows 75 feet high and string that little guy up when the day comes and just swing him from the gallows 75 feet. That'll satisfy you when you see him swinging from that gallows. So it pleased Mordecai. The idea sounded great to him, and so he had built a gallows 75 feet high in which he was preparing to hang Mordecai. Now, that night, King Ahasuerus couldn't go to sleep, just lying there restless. No doubt God was in the restlessness. And so he said, bring to me the chronicles, the history. Read to me. What's more boring than history? (laughs) Read to me the history books. Probably figured he'd go to sleep while they were reading. (laughs) And as they were reading the history, the records, He came to the place where Mordecai had warned him of the assassination plot. And he said, what was done to reward that man? 
who warned me of the assassination? And they said, nothing. He said, well, surely he should be rewarded. And so in the morning, when Haman came whistling in, the king said to Haman, Haman, what should the king do for the man that he seeks to honor very highly? <laughs> man, I love the way God turns the tables. You know, I just... <laughs> and oh, Haman thought, now, who would the king want to honor more than me, you know? I mean, at this time, he was really pride puffed up and blind, you know. Who does the king want to honor more than me? And so thinking that the king was referring to him, he, he sort of expressed what was in his heart, really. Let the king's royal robes be put upon him and the king's crown upon his head. And let him be driven in the king's chariot through the city and send the couriers before him crying out, Behold, the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> and so the king said, Good idea. <laughs> you make the arrangements and do all that you've said for Mordecai. See that nothing is lacking. So Mordecai had the king's robe put on him, the king's crown, and he went through the streets in the chariot as they cried out, Behold the man whom the king delights to honor. And Mordecai headed for home. I said, You can't believe, you can't believe what's happened to me. You know. And, of course, his counselor said, hey, you know, this is a bad day. Your star is in bad position, man. <laughs> you know, this doesn't look good. Your star is descending. And, and so while he was there and just, you know, talking of his problems, they came in and said, hey, you're going to be late for the queen's banquet. You better get going. So Haman came in, but he was really troubled by this whole experience. And so Esther prepared another beautiful banquet for the king, and again the king in his generous mood said, Esther, what do you want? Half of the kingdom, whatever it is, your petition, your request. And so Esther said, all I want is my life and my people, the life of my people. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had been sold as slaves, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have kept quiet. Then King Ahasuerus answered and said to Esther, the queen, Who is he? And where is he that dares to presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, the adversary, the enemy, is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid 
before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his anger, went to the palace garden, and Haman stood up to make a request for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. And then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman had fallen upon the bed where Esther was. And the king said, Are you going to rape my wife before me in my own house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they took and covered his head with a cloth, which signified, of course, his impending death. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains, said to the king, Behold, there are 75 feet gallows that Haman has made for Mordecai, who spoke the good for the king. And they're there in his backyard. And the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. God turning the tables. And it so often happens. You remember when Joseph was sold by his brothers to slavery, to the traders going to Egypt? And, and he was weeping. He was crying. He said, oh, you know, don't do this. And as they, the traders were taking him off towards Egypt, he was just a teenage boy, crying, begging his brothers. But they had steeled their hearts against him. Years later, when they had to come down to Egypt to buy provisions in order to survive, and they didn't recognize Joseph, the man who was in charge of the provisions of Egypt. But Joseph recognized them and began to give them a bad time, speaking roughly to them through an interpreter. And they turned to each other, talking in their own language, which, of course, Joseph could understand. And they said, you know, this sin has happened to us because of what we did to our brother Joseph. Don't you remember his tears and all, and we didn't pay any attention? Now it's coming back on us. But then later, when Joseph did reveal himself, they were even more frightened. And they began to beg Joseph for mercy and so forth. And he said, look, I know that you meant it for evil, but God intended it for good. God is so often able to take those things that were intended for evil and turn them around for good. It happens over and over and over again. That is why the Bible says concerning you as God's child, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. This is the heritage of the children of the Lord. God won't allow any weapon formed against you to prosper. God's going to take care of you. God's going to watch over you. God's going to turn the tables on your enemies. And he is so clever. <laughs> and, and I love the book of Esther because it has all of this interesting intrigue and table turning and the whole bit. So on that day did King Ahasuerus give to the house of Haman, the Jew's enemy, unto Esther, the queen. He, he gave the house to her. 
And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. So Esther said, Mordecai is my cousin. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and he gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And Esther spake yet again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman, the Agagite, and the devices that he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, if I found favor in your sight and the thing seems right, and I be pleasing in your eyes, let it be written to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadath of the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews, which are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come to my people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Now, there is an interesting law of the Medes and the Persians, and that's once the king has made a decree, he can't change it. Once a decree has been made and sealed by the king, that decree stands. It, it it's, was a law of the Medes and the Persians. You remember Daniel got tripped up by this law of the Medes and the Persians when Darius was snookered by these guys who wanted to destroy Daniel. And they said, you know, let the king make a decree that whoever prays to any other god or person for the period of 30 days will be put to death. And uh, so it, that the people might know how important and how wonderful you are, you know. So the king made this proclamation, signed it. And uh, so then Daniel went to his home. And as was his custom, the windows opened towards Jerusalem, prayed three times daily. And these guys were outside in the bushes. They ran back to the king and said, hey, we've got a guy who violated your proclamation. And so they brought Daniel in, and, and Darius and Daniel had a close relationship. And Darius sought all day some way to reverse it, but because the laws of the Medes and Persians cannot be reversed, they cannot be changed, they cannot be altered once it has been set, you cannot reverse it. Thus Daniel had to be tossed into the lion's den, but Darius assured him, Daniel, the God you serve is able to deliver you, you know, and and uh, so that same situation with the decree that Darius made, we'll get that when we get to the book of Daniel. Now, can't change the decree. However, he let Mordecai make another decree that on the 13th day of March, the Jews would be able to defend themselves from against those that would seek to kill them. And so they could also take vengeance on those who were seeking to destroy them. So he gave them the right to defend themselves and also the right to destroy any who would seek to destroy them. So when this day came, there in the city of Shushan, there were five hundred men that were slain by the Jews, men who were seeking the evil of the Jews, and so they were able to take their vengeance upon their enemies. And throughout all the provinces, actually, there were a great number of people that uh, the Jews actually put to death as they defended themselves. 
75,000 were destroyed. On the 14th day of the same month, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews that were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day and on the 14th day and on the 15th day, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the 14th day of the month of Adar, the day of gladness and feasting, and a good day of sending portions one to another. Now, here was then instituted the Feast of Purim. Remember the word pur means lot, and I-M is like an S. It makes it a plural in Hebrew. And so the Purim means lots. And so the Feast of Purim is actually a feast of lots because Haman had determined by casting lots which day the Jews would be destroyed. And so to the present day, on the 13th day of March, in the Jewish calendar, they have a day of sort of fasting and all. But then on the 14th day in the villages and on the 15th day of March in the, in the city of Jerusalem, the walled city, they celebrate the Feast of Purim to the present day. Now they've modified the celebrations quite a bit. And the children dress up in costumes much like Halloween costumes. And the little girls will usually dress up like Esther. And some of the boys will dress up like Haman, the bad guy. And uh, others, of course, will dress in, in cowboy outfits and, and everything else, just like you see kids here at Halloween. Rather than trick-or-treating, they invite their friends over, and as they would, it says here, they were feasting in gladness. They invite their friends over, and they, they have cookies and goodies that they, they share together, and they have parties, much like Halloween parties with the children all in costume, and it is a time of, of festival and all in, in March there in Israel. We have been over there during the Feast of Purim, and I've seen the little children in their costumes, and they have cookies that they make that they call Haman's ears. And uh, they're good cookies. Uh, but, the, you know, they, they will a lot of times have little plays, and, and the children will play act the story of Esther and, and, you know, the villain, wicked Haman, and so forth. And they have these plays. And, of course, it's very colorful and very interesting. The Feast of Purim, which was inaugurated here in the Book of Esther and is celebrated to the present day over there in Israel. One day in the villages on the 14th and on the 15th within the city of Jerusalem. So it stretches out the holiday a little bit. Now, chapter 10 just deals with now the exalting of Mordecai. He was made more or less prime minister over the Persian Empire. He was given pretty much the office and the role that Haman had had. 
And it is no doubt because of Esther and Mordecai and their position that when Esther's husband, Ahasuerus, died, his son, also called Ahasuerus in the scriptures, became the next king, but Queen Esther no doubt had a great influence upon him, her stepson, and it was he who gave to Nehemiah the permission and all to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, to restore the walls and all, and, and gave Artaxerxes the steps. He was actually a stepson to Esther, is the one who gave that very important decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, the decree from which the beginning date of the prophecy of the coming of Messiah, 483 years after that date, the Messiah would come. So that is no doubt because of the influence that Mordecai and Esther had. Now, this brings us now to a end of a major section of the Old Testament. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Esther 5-10 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in his love through the power of his Holy Spirit as you are enriched in your walk with Jesus Christ day by day as he ministers to you his strength, his power. May you begin to experience more and more in your own life that power of God's love transforming you and changing you and making you into his image by his Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that he can use to accomplish his purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? 
Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.